Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and this is Powered Up Talk Radio and we've got a great show today. We're going to visit with Joanne DiMaggio. She wrote a book called Karma Can Be a Real Pain, Past Life Clues to Current Life Maladies. Now Linda, you and I totally dig the past life stuff. It is so much fun. Every time I've had a regression, I... I just learned so much more and it's I'm never anybody famous though. My sister's always someone famous. I'm like the cook that died in the kitchen. <laughs> I don't know what I am. I mean, you've told me that you go under very easily. Um, I guess I'm more resistant and I think I tried past life one time, but I you know, I don't think I got anything out of it because I can't even tell if I'm under or not under and I think you have to be with a real pro to be able to to get a real a really good read on it. Well, you're a tough nut to crack, I'll say. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just a piece of cake. I'm like a limp noodle when it comes to this stuff. But I think it's really interesting that the the concept, now, you know, you talk about choking. You've mentioned choking to me a couple times. And, you know, we've been trying to figure out where that comes from. Yeah, no, and I don't believe that it comes from this current life or this current body that I'm in. Um, but ever since I was a kid, if someone came up behind me and like grabbed the back of my neck, it just, you know, I stopped, I'm going to stop breathing and hit the floor. You know, so I, I don't know where it came from. I don't think I'm as bad now, but it's always been a thing. But, but now if someone is choking, you know, coughing a lot, um, I, especially my husband, I go into just, panic mode I jump up off my seat and it's not a conscious thing it just happens and I you know it's like I'm like stunned you know I want to turn into action do a Heimlich do something and he's just like you know he's eating and he's having a little choke it has nothing to do with he stopped breathing or he's turning blue but that's you know that's how I react so yes obviously something that has to do with the throat has something to do with a past life I believe well, and that's why we're bringing on, you know, our guest, uh, Joanne DiMaggio, because I can't wait to ask her about soul writing, like, you know, to, to, to write from an altered, like, state or an altered consciousness. I'm, I'm so excited to find out about that. I'm, I'm just like jumping at the end of my seat here. So why don't we bring her on? Joanne DiMaggio, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here. I'm so excited. So tell me your background, because it's not like, you know, kids go, hey, for trick or treat, I'm six years old, I'm going to be a past life regressionist expert or, (laughs) you know, this is a, there had to be a journey along the way that that brought you to where you are. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I've been interested in um, reincarnation since I was a child and remembered as a teenager reading books by Ruth Montgomery and about Edgar Cayce and Jeff Stern. And uh, I read The Search for Bridie Murphy. Uh, actually, that was published in the late 50s. Uh, so I became fascinated by the whole concept of it. It just made a lot of sense to me. Uh, my professional background was in advertising, public relations, and marketing, so I was a writer by profession. Um, and uh, But I had this, this interest in, uh, in past life work. I became involved with Edgar Cayce's ARE, the Association for Research and Enlightenment, back in 1987 and at the same time began to explore my own past life journey. Uh, they had many speakers coming in. At that time, I lived in Chicago. They had many speakers coming in who talked on this topic, and uh, I was so um, fascinated by it that I started my own past life research organization called Plexus. And my intent was simply to write about it. I wanted to share other people's experiences with a wider audience. But I met um, a past life therapist author from ARE named Henry Bolduck, and I told him my story, and he said, you know, Joanne, you know more about past life work than most of the past life therapists that are out there. Why aren't you doing this work? And I said, well, I'm a writer. I'm not a, a therapist. I don't want to do it. And he said, no, 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 you should be doing it. So he kept hammering away at me until finally I decided, all right, I'll I'll you know, take the necessary courses and study up on it. And so that's what I did, and um, I have been doing past life work ever since. You said when you were a kid that you always had a fascination with reincarnation. Um, was this, was this uh, belief uh, felt by your family, or were you kind of alone, uh, drifting in the woods oh, by yourself? Oh, no, not at all. I grew up uh, in a very blue-collar, Italian-American family neighborhood kind of thing, and I um, was Catholic, and we were Catholic, and, of course, you know, reincarnation is not an accepted belief in Catholicism, although, interestingly enough, the whole concept and theory of reincarnation was in the Bible until the Council of Nicaea in the 5th century when um, they took any reference to reincarnation out of the Bible. So I like to always tell that to uh, people who say, you know, it's against their religion to believe in this. But in any case, when I was a child, I was fascinated with the 18th century. I wore my hair in little ringlets, and I listened to Baroque music, and I loved books about Dolly Madison and Abigail Adams, and, um, you know, it was very bizarre um, to be in that kind of a neighborhood and to be fascinated with uh, harpsichord music and stuff like that. So um, that continued, and uh, when I got into college, I majored in, in history, specializing in early American history, and um, just would love to write research papers on various uh, individuals in that time period. And I had a professor say to me, you have the most uncanny feel for the 18th century of anybody I've ever met. And I thought, you know, I do, but I, I didn't quite understand why. I, I, I had studied reincarnation by the time I was in college, but I didn't put two and two together that I may have actually had a past life in that time period. So... Um, so my early studies of this was really a personal journey for me to find out if, in fact, I, I actually lived in that time period and found out that I did. So um, yeah, I was at, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, for even for the non-believers, and I would say that there's probably more non-believers out there than believers, but when you see, like, a, a child prodigy, whether he plays the violin, I mean, I just saw one the other day, and I don't remember where I saw it. This kid, he's five years old, and he's playing the cello like he's been playing the cello for 90 years. Um, you know, you've got to say there's something there. I mean, a five-year-old can't be playing the cello like this. Maybe he did it before. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He brought that talent and ability in with him because karmically, um, karma is not always bad. Uh, sometimes it, it does represent talents and skills and abilities that you had in a previous lifetime that you brought in with you. I, I call it your karmic bank account. You deposited those abilities and you can draw on them at any time. Um, so in, in some cases you're resolving karma, but in other cases you're using it to your advantage and bringing it forward. Um, as far as people believing in it, only 25% of Americans actually believe in reincarnation. But uh, the complete opposite is true. If you go um, Eastern philosophies, of course, th those cultures have believed in it for thousands of years. So, um, you know, so who's to say? <laughs> it's, it's really a um, matter of faith and, and stepping outside the box a little bit and, uh, and opening yourself up to the possibility of something uh, beyond uh, you know, common beliefs. But before we go on, because I'm, I know you've got lots of stories, just give us your definition of karma. Karma is cause and effect. It's um, uh, it's a balance. It's whatever you know. This the saying about whatsoever a soul soweth, that it shall also reap. Uh, it, it's it's really a truly perfected um, method of balancing out um, all of life's uh, situations. In other words, it explains very clearly why some people are poor, some people are rich, some people are ill, some people are healthy, some people have problems with relationships, others don't, some people have problems with finances, others don't. Um, it's just the perfect system of uh, checks and balances so that... Um, whatever you think, say, or do in a prior lifetime gets recorded in what they call the Akashic Record. It's like the universe's supercomputer, if you will. And um, there is, you know, there is a calling out of, of resolving something that was done either to you or that you did to someone else or, um, you know, any other circumstances that, that were part of a lesson that you were learning in that particular lifetime. And so in order to go on, you need to, you need to pass that class. So I think of these lifetimes is, is coming to earth and taking classes and um, so if your class is on abandonment then in, sometime in this lifetime you're going to be abandoned and um, you learn through that and then you graduate and you don't have to deal with that again in, in subsequent lifetimes until you're finished until you've learned all that there is to learn about what it's like to be a spiritual being in a physical body so I need to take us to commercial break, but quickly. So when things happen to us in our lives, that's a, a reaction of what we like didn't do in our past lives or what we're, we're supposed to learn in this life. Is that, that how we frame especially the bad things that happen to us? Yeah, I always frame them as lessons that are being learned uh, due to, um, it, and that, it doesn't necessarily have to be something that happened to you in a previous lifetime. 
you could be uh, participating in a particular lesson in service to other people uh, to see how they react to something that may be happening to you. Um, so there's a lot of levels to it. it. It's not necessarily every single thing is karmic in nature because, you know, we are accumulating karma in the here and now as well. Um, but the big things, the big items that you're dealing with are usually karmic in nature. Okay, we're visiting today with Joanne DiMaggio. Her book, Karma Can Be a Real Pain, Past Life Clues to Current Life Maladies, is the book of the hour. Now, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about how to transform our life our current life by uncovering our past lives and I'm going to ask the question about soul writing because I'm so excited to find out about that when we come back from the break we're going to have more with Linda Franklin and Sandra Beck this is Powered Up Talk Radio we'll be back after the break we've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. According to the National Headache Foundation, more than 29 million Americans suffer from migraines. Women are affected three times more often than men. 70 to 80% of sufferers have a family history. This vascular headache is most commonly experienced between the ages of 15 and 55. But a recent study in Sweden found that exercise can prevent migraine headaches just as well as drugs or relaxation techniques. For migraine sufferers, this is exciting news. According to this study, physical activity can be the key to migraine prevention. When you exercise, your body releases endorphins, which is the body's own pain-reducing substance. This is just another reason to commit to daily exercise. Keeping your body fit can also keep those migraines at bay. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. you ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self-love and less self-loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We're saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Linda Franklin and we are visiting today with Joanne DiMaggio. She wrote a book called Karma Can Be a Real Pain, Past Life Clues to Current Life Maladies. Now Linda, before we were going to break, you had a question. Yeah, you talked about, you know, the karma coming in with to to, to learn uh, the, the, that particular lesson in this lifetime, but I've always thought that when we're up there floating around or or doing what we need to do when we're <laughs> not in a body, that we choose to come back um, as a certain, you know, to, for certain parents to to learn certain lessons. And of course, when we get here, we don't we don't remember the choices that we made there. 
but but it definitely was a choice um, that we that we consciously and I love that word consciously made. Does that ring a bell at all to you? That's absolutely true. That's exactly how it happens. You have a a, a pre life agreement. Uh, so think of it as if you're going to um, if you think of Earth as a school and you're a student. Um, and you think of your angels or guides or, or whoever you want to think of them as, uh, as guidance counselors. And before you come into the physical body, you are working with them to look at the previous lifetimes and to see uh, what it is that you need to focus on in the upcoming life. So you design the life to uh, enable you to experience whatever issue is repeating itself from the past that you want to work on and you want to get behind you. It could be something that happened to you in the immediate prior life or it could be something that happened to you a thousand years ago. I've had cases of, of people that have worked on something that uh, happened in the year 79 AD and here they are in, in 2011, I think, was when I did that regression. And so you wow. choose your parents, you choose the environment in which you're going to incarnate into in order to have the best opportunity to recreate the conditions that would enable you to re-experience that very issue and hopefully this time work through it. Yeah, well, you know, if, if it's going back that far or even, you know, 200 years ago and you're still got, you still have it here in 2016 and you didn't work it out and, and it, it, you need to work it out, uh, until you work it out, it's, it's just going to be there. Yeah, but you, you don't necessarily, you, you probably only work on a handful of, of uh, issues per lifetime. You don't, can't possibly work on them all. I, I, most people have two, maybe two or three things that they're working on in, in any given life. And so when you think about all the lifetimes that you've had and all the issues, um, you know, I think we're going to be here for a while to, to work through all of that. But mo- once you work through it and it's, it's completed, then you don't have to deal with it again. Which is really the really part what, of all of this? I'm going to ask one more question, then I'm going to hand it over to Sen, and and you can, you know, I want to hear about your experiences. But is it possible, even coming back with the karma that we're coming back with, that we can make the conscious choice to to be happy, to not let these things bother us? Um, so, I mean, to just be conscious human beings and and choose the life that we want is is would that be as powerful more powerful than the karmic experience i i don't know if i'm phrasing it right but i, I, understand I know what, what i'm trying saying. to say yeah okay yeah absolutely um it it really depends on your perspective and it and there is a, there is such a thing as the law of grace, and the law of grace transcends karma. And the law of grace is based oh, I on how you react to oh. what, how are you Hold on, what's the law of grace? The law of grace. It's it's how you are reacting. It, it transcends karma. It's basically how you are reacting to what is happening to you at that time. So it depends on your attitude and your perspective um, about your experience so but it's important that you know what the origin of these issues are because you 
you, by understanding it better, that's when you can change your perspective on it, and then you can go about your life um, really uh, having having dealt with it from that point of view. There was a, a writer um, who wrote an article for uh, Venture Inward, which was um, the magazine that the ARE puts out, and he talked about, um, he, he had polio, and he talked about, he said that he, he came to look on his handicap as a gift because it enabled him to understand the afflictions of others and to enlarge his horizons and to become a better person. So that's the key part of this knowing, this self-understanding. Where is this coming from? Why is this happening? And what can I do to release it? How can I forgive myself and others? Uh, and heal this so that it's no longer uh, a part of my everyday life. Would would you say that grace is the highest state of consciousness? Um, I I haven't thought of it in that term, but I'm I have no problem with uh, with defining it that way because okay. it's really um, individuals who reach that level can. Uh, can incorporate everything that's happened to them uh, and in a way in which they no longer have a resentment toward it or, um, you know, with that understanding comes the forgiveness and with that comes the healing. And, of course, forgiveness is a state that we all uh, aspire to be in. So I have a question. We, we, it, all of this is assuming that, you know, we, we have access to our past lives or that, that we can somehow go back and figure some of this stuff out. Now, this show airs in like 20 different countries and, and, you know, all different time zones and, and, mm-hmm. and, not everybody is able to get a copy of your book, which is called Karma Can Be a Real Pain, Past Life Clues to Current Life Maladies. You also have two other books, uh, Soul Writing, Conversing with Your Higher Self, and Your Soul Remembers, Accessing Your Past Lives Through Soul Writing. For those that aren't able to get your book, and I hope everyone listening today will buy you know, your books, or at least I know I'm going to get the Soul Writing one, what can we do as an individual if we're not near a center like yours or we're not in an environment or household that's conducive for this? What are some things that, that people can do privately, maybe even just with a pen and paper, that can help demystify some of these things that are going on with them? Mm-hmm. Well, soul writing is definitely a way of doing that. Um, a simple definition of soul writing is writing in a meditative state. It's a written form of meditation, basically. So for uh, anybody can learn to meditate, um, and uh, it's going into that altered state of consciousness, just taking some very deep breaths and relaxing completely. Um, however you uh, go into that state, uh, whether you listen to some music, whether you listen to a CD, or, um, or just have, are able to do it for yourself, um, I teach that in the back of the... Um, all of my books have a step-by-step instructions on how to do the soul writing. So soul writing is um, a way of getting answers to any question that you have. It's like a 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week phone home card to the divine. Um, it's you going into an altered state uh, and tapping into the collective wisdom uh, and asking any question you want and getting an answer from from God, from your angel, from your uh, your spirit guides, whatever it is that you believe in, your higher self, 
um, from your soul directly. Um, so that's the way I started, actually. That's how I was getting past life information initially was through soul writing. Uh, it's something everybody can do, um, and it's extremely powerful. As a matter of fact, I include it always at the very end of my regressions. I asked the uh, client or the volunteer, um, you know, would you like to go deeper? And if they say yes, then um, I ask their soul. I said, just ask your soul if there's anything more it can provide, any more information it can provide to you in writing that you didn't get in the regression. And so, um, you know, while they're in this meditative state, they simply put the pen down on the paper and wait for an answer. Now, it's not automatic writing. I really want to stress that there is a difference between the two. And automatic writing, in my opinion, is not safe uh, to use. Um, this method, uh, soul writing, is based on what Edgar Casey taught, which is what he called inspirational writing. Um, so it includes a prayer of protection, includes surrounding you with white light, um, and uh, only communicating with that which is for your highest and best. So um, the information you get from the soul writing uh, is the backstory of the regression, or if you don't do the regression, it can start to put you on the path of understanding, because you can actually write out a question, you know, uh, why do I feel this way about so-and-so? And just wait, and, you know, you'll get an answer. It's very profound. It's very uh, spiritually one of the, I think, one of the biggest tools of transformation that I have ever found. And people are astounded at, um, at the information they get through this technique, um, especially people that are more analytical or more left brain, uh, they um, they think to themselves, ah, this isn't going to work, I'm not going to get anything, and then they get the, they get a message in there. I had an, a lawyer once in one of my workshops, and she just sat there and cried and cried and cried, and, you know, I asked her, well, why are you so upset? And she says, I never thought I could write like this. I didn't think this was in me. So it's, it's, um, it's very profound, and... Um, when I've used it, you'll, you can see it in the book. I've used it after some of the regression sessions. Like I said, it gives you the backstory. It answers questions that you that you didn't have. So this is something. It's a tool that people can use if uh, if they don't have access to a past life therapist or maybe they don't like the idea of doing a regression. Um, but the soul writing would work for them just as easily. We're visiting with Karma Can Be a Real Pain author, Joanne DiMaggio. If you want, her books are also uh, Soul Writing, Conversing with Your Higher Self, Your Soul Remembers, Accessing Your Past Lives Through Soul Writing. Now, her name is spelled DiMaggio, D-I-M-A-G-G-I-O, and she's right on. I'm looking at the back of her book, and there is the instructions for soul writing. We'll be back after the break. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is for all you. It's words you never heard. And you wiggle your ears. Studies suggest that only 10 to 20% of humans are able to wiggle their ears. That's pretty ostrobogulous. Ostrobogulous is another word for bizarre or unusual. Of course, many animals have the ability to independently turn their ears in the direction of a sound by using their auricular muscles. In humans, ear wiggling is thought to be more of a vestigial feature, meaning it was once a useful trait of our ancient ancestors, but not needed anymore. 
Some people can't stop wiggling their ears. This rare moving ear syndrome is known as dyskinesia. This can be a pretty embarrassing condition, especially if you are macrotus or have big ears. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on Toginet.com. Live La Bella Vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live La Bella Vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, labellavitacosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on toginet.com. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio. And we have got such an interesting guest today, Joanne DiMaggio. The book of the hours, Karma Can Be a Real Pain, Past Life Clues to Current Life Maladies. Now, no uh, promotion has been paid for this book. This is a book that's came across uh, both Linda's and my uh, desks. And we thought it was just a really interesting, neat book to read. And I'm really excited to try the soul writing. Now, if you're wondering what soul writing is and you missed the first half of today, show, you're going to want to check us out on iTunes under Powered Up Talk Radio. You're going to want to go to PoweredUpTalkRadio.com. You can also go to to Toginet, dot com and find this show and hundreds of hours like it on spirituality, growth, change, you name it, we cover it. Um, I want to ask our, our author today, Joanne DiMaggio, when you were talking about the soul writing, does it get better the more you do it or do you just set a time every day and sometimes it comes out sometimes it doesn't is it like a muscle that gets stronger it it is every with practice you do get better but most people can get something on their first try it could be that they'll just get a word here or there i i suggest people start with making loops um, on the paper just to get the pen moving. Um, you can do it on a keyboard as well, but keep in mind that if you're on a keyboard when you're doing this writing, your, your eyes are half open. So if you just slip over one key, you won't be able to read anything. So I always do it in writing, um, uh, handwriting. With a, um, I like to write with a, a fountain pen, but you could use a pencil even if you wanted. Um, and then I transfer it to the computer so I have a copy of it. So, like I said, it's a written form of meditation. In meditation, you, you're getting a message. You know, they say prayer is you talking to God, and meditation is God talking to you. That's what this is. It's God talking to you and you taking notes. Uh, that's probably the best way to describe it. I have a couple of questions, Joanne. Um, the first one is, is it possible to do a past life over the telephone? And the second one is, have you encountered... Uh, people that have come to you that absolutely, I guess because of resistance, didn't, didn't, weren't able to achieve what they came to achieve. 
Uh, the answer is uh, no to doing it over the phone, and the reason I don't do it over the phone or through Skype or anything like that is because I like to. I have to uh, really um, be aware of what my client is going through emotionally and physically at that moment, and uh, if it becomes overwhelming for them, it's just good to physically be in the same room with them where I could reach over and touch them uh, and continue to work with them. I can't do that over the phone, obviously, or, or through Skype, so I only do them in person. Uh, and yes, okay. I have had people who have come and we go through the entire relaxation process. It's pretty much just guided imagery at first. It's just getting them into a very relaxed state. So I relax every part of their body, and then I have a guided imagery, and I have different scripts that I use, of uh, three different ones, so that if one doesn't work, I'll skip to the other or then the third one. And there are some people who say, I just don't see anything. It's just black. Um, I work with them for quite a while to see if we can break through that uh, resistance um, and um, sometimes we're able to and sometimes we're not uh, when we're not I know that they're disappointed and I'm disappointed for them it doesn't happen very often but it does happen and um, but they're, they're always eager to try again uh, people that by the way that are on some medications that would uh, preclude them from having a, a, an experience um, there's all different reasons. There, there's some resistance on their part. Uh, they're not ready for this information, uh, or they're maybe they're uh, afraid. Um, some sort of blockage is there, and I do work with them for a long time, just try to break through that. But there are times when uh, I'm not able to do that, and we just um, we uh, move on from there. Right, um, and the, you know the resistance or the fear. If they're if they chose to come to you in the first place, you would think that they wouldn't be. But I guess actually being there and being that close to maybe finding something out is just overwhelming. Right. It's you know you have to surrender and you have to let go and uh, and just allow whatever pops up uh, to 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 flow through you and for you to be able to. Um, you know, describe to me what what's happening. Describe what you look like. Describe a significant event in your life. Describe the death that you that you experience. Uh, basically, watching it like you would a movie, but being able to verbalize. And I encourage people to use more than just their visual senses. They can uh, feel it. Sometimes, just sense it. I'll say, do you do you have a sense of where you are or a sense of what year it is? Because uh, some people will say, oh, it's 1632, and others will say, I think it's sometime in the 1600s. So, um, so it's all the years that I have been doing this, I have encountered uh, quite a few different uh, um, situations, uh, but we usually are able to work that through. Um, but if they come in with a preconceived notion of what it's like, if they've been reading too many books or seeing too many movies or if they come in wanting to go I have a lot of people say to me I would like to go to Atlantis I want to see Atlantis and then they don't go there because for whatever reason their soul isn't presenting a lifetime in Atlantis to them then they become uh, disillusioned but I always ask that their soul show them the lifetime that's most impacting them in the here and now and that is usually where they'll, they'll be taken in your book, um, there's so many, and, and you know, just the title of your book, Karma Can Be Real Pain. So it, it's about illness, it's about pain, it's about distress. Uh, mm -hmm. People are coming to you to, to find out 
you know, why they, well, do, uh, maybe they don't know why, but you're through the, through the class life regression, they're going to find out why they are, you know, whether it's arthritis or, or any kind of, you know, heart or, or cancer or anything. I mean, they'll, it makes sense to them or they remember why, what happened to them in a past life and what, how it's reflecting in this one. And then once you realize where it's coming from, you can release it. Is that kind of the gist of the whole process? Right, right. These people have been to uh, traditional medical professionals, and this is not a replacement for that. It's a supplement to that. Um, they've come mm-hmm. to me because they are frustrated. They feel as though um, that they don't feel satisfied with the diagnosis. They don't understand where this is coming from. They have a feeling deep inside that it's from something else uh, other than a strictly physical condition that they've acquired in the here and now. And um, some of them uh, came to me for this, uh, the 50 people that I had come as volunteers for this this research project. Many of them said, I don't know if this is past life related, but I would like to find out. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you're right, they, they came with all different kinds of maladies. I had arthritis and diabetes and heart disease and people with liver and kidney problems or weight and digestive issues or um, foot, leg and back pain and, and some other areas like sexual uh, karma, drug and alcohol abuse, mental and emotional illness. Um, who came, who wanted to find out, you know, is this possibly something that happened in a previous life? And if it is, how do I resolve it in this life so that I can uh, be free to um, to move on and have a, a healthy, happy life going forward? So it's uh, it was a very fascinating uh, project, and, um, and it attracted professional people. Uh, I had university professors, I had nurses, aerospace project managers, defense contractors, uh, Navy veterans, people that you wouldn't, uh, you would, if you met them, you wouldn't say, oh, they're prone to exaggeration or imagination. These were people who um, are very, uh, very stable, very educated, um, well-rounded uh, men and women who uh, who had that in common, that sense that there's something more going on here than than what I'm led to believe. And and with these 50 people, what percentage of them found resolution and the the uh, malady kind of disappeared? Well, um, I did the statistics on the 23 people that are actually in the book, and of the 23 in the book, four of them experienced a complete healing, Um, seven of them said their condition improved substantially, eight said that their condition went unchanged but their perspective changed on it, Um, two said their condition got worse and then they had to seek uh, seek traditional medical treatment. Those two are pretty much on the way. Uh, one had to have a hip replacement, and another one had Crohn's disease. Um, so they, they, by the time they got to me, they were pretty far along, and they did need to continue with uh, the traditional medical treatment. Um, and two of them couldn't be classified because um, they came to the project. They were already healed. These were people that had been. Um, drug and alcohol abusers and they were uh, clean and sober um, 
by the time they came to me, but they had wanted to, um, they still wanted to find out what was the origin of their um, drinking or drug problems. And so um, so that's a pretty good uh, breakdown of, of um, the results of, uh, of the project. Yeah. So, like, what and would be really a typical, can't. I mean, just want to jump in real quick, sorry, Linda, what, what would be a typical reason for alcoholism in this life, let's say? The one uh, woman that I talked to um, uh, had been with a crowd in the uh, in the 18th century who um, the group that she was with were drinking heavily and, and uh, uh, taking opium and um, she was a male in that life and she ended up dying uh, in an opium den. She was very wealthy and so she had all these people, all these men uh, surrounding her and wanting to you know, buy us drinks and get us these drugs and all that. In this, You know what? I'm going to need to take us to commercial break, so I'm going to leave us with a cliffhanger because this is fascinating. We're visiting today with Joanne DiMaggio. Karma can be a real pain. Past life clues to current life maladies. Now, when we come back from the break, we're going to find out what are some of these maladies and how do they trace back through our own personal histories. We'll be back after the break. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Most of us want to exercise, but sometimes motivation is a problem. It can be difficult to get started or to keep going. Cooper Aerobics Center in Dallas offers five tips to stay motivated in your exercise. Number one is make fitness a priority. Make it a habit and put it on the top of your priority list. Number two is set goals. Tasks are almost always easier to accomplish when there's something to look forward to in the end. Number three is make a specific plan. Get your calendar and start planning your exercise routine. Number four is grab a friend. Working out with a friend can really help with motivation and accountability. And number five is find a professional fitness trainer and see your fitness goals become a reality. I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome to Geraldine Tegelove Live, the show that shares with you the secrets of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding your life. Having pulled herself from the rubble of financial ruin and having gone on to create a highly successful career, Geraldine has become an expert in the art of transformation. She believes that it doesn't matter where you are right now, how overwhelmed you feel, or how impossible the task of turning your life around may seem. You can do it. Stay tuned as metaphysician, international best-selling author, and intuitive Geraldine Tegelov gives you the inner understanding and the outer practical how-to to create your amazing life. Gain a fresh perspective on how to redefine, reinvent, and rebuild your life. Join Geraldine Tegelove live every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the Toginet Radio Network. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. 
Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio, and we're visiting with Joanne DiMaggio of Karma Can Be a Real Pain, Past Life Clues and Current Life Maladies. When we went to break, Joanne, you were talking about, in this one case, the current life the person was struggling with alcohol and in the past life we went back to the 18th century where a group of people were drinking heavily doing opium and the client died in an opium den mm-hmm. and in this life she um uh she was a she's a flight attendant or a retired flight attendant in this life and her uh her flight crew that she um was with were um that same group of souls that had been with her in that 17th century life. She never drank. She didn't drink in high school. She didn't drink in college. But she meets up with the same group of souls from the previous life, and they're repeating the same pattern from before, and that's how she began to drink uh, again in this life. And then she, uh, she's uh, sober now. She overcame that karma. Um, and uh, she said the lesson she learned was that to be sober, you have to serve others, and, uh, and that's what she has been doing. So, so that's pretty typical uh, of, uh, of a situation where you're, you're running into the same group of people that you knew before because we do travel in, in pods in what I call a soul family. People repeat. They don't look the same. They change roles. They even change sexes. But um, sometimes they come in, uh, with the same identical issues, and they, that presents the lesson for you. So for her, she finished that lesson and has moved on now. Uh, Joanne, in the book, you talk about your own experience with uh, uh, karmic pain. Um, tell our listeners about that, because you know we, you can you can talk best about yourself and how and how uh, dramatic it was. Yeah. Um, I mentioned to you earlier that I had a college professor tell me I had this uncanny feel for the 18th century. So after college, right. I decided I would come uh, and visit all the historic sites on the eastern seaboard. Um, when I came to a certain location, um, uh, I experienced heart palpitations and um, and uh, uh, just pain in my chest and weakness in my legs um so then i went home and forgot about it and here 20 almost 25 years later i came back to the same exact spot um and um this time when i walked into the house i felt the searing pain in the lower part of my spine like sciatica pain and it was it felt like it had been burnt it was like it was burning and um the pain was just awful and i told my companion i almost went to the hospital it was so bad i don't know how i managed to get on a plane and go back to chicago but when i did i saw my doctor i had x-rays taken i saw a chiropractor um i tried all kinds of uh, alternative methods and nothing worked i just lived with this excruciating pain for six months finally um uh, through my past life organization, one of our speakers came who um, was a psychic uh, channeler. He would channel um, what he called um, an Akashic librarian. And so um, I asked in that session, um, not really believing I was going to get any kind of uh, answer, but I said, you know, can you help me understand the source of this pain? And he said, well, he said, when, he said, you were there before, and the last time you were there, you got hit in the back with a fireplace poker. 
and that answered the, the question about why that searing pain in that particular area of my back. The, and right after he said that, the pain disappeared and never came back again. And then I had that confirmed a couple of months later when I went to see another intuitive reader about it, and uh, she came up with the same uh, with the same answer. So yeah, I've had I've had that um, that experience myself. So I well know. Um, that's why I can't deny any of this because I've I've gone through it myself, uh, and uh, I well know how powerful this sort of uh, of uh, therapy can be. Well, and if someone has gone through in this life, like a, like a divorce and an infidelity and been abandoned, you know, you mentioned abandonment, what, what kind of life experiences in the past could contribute to that present day? It could have been that they did exactly to the other party what has now been done to them. Um, you know, um, I had one woman who uh, in this life has, um, is bipolar. She went back to a life in 1492 in the uh, Celtic Isles, and she was a man at that time. And um, he said that his wife was suffering from depression, what we would now call postpartum depression. They had a very unhappy marriage, very unhappy marriage. That was the result of that. So in this life, they switched roles. So she is now um, the, she's the one now suffering from the, from the depression, she had the postpartum depression, and it has been a struggle for her marriage, for her family to um, deal with her. She had a, um, a breakdown after her child was born uh, and has had to be medicated um, pretty much ever since. She's living a fairly uh, uh, stable lifetime life right now, but that's a case where you know she and her spouse completely switched. Uh, switch sides and and so now many times people find that they're experiencing something that they inflicted on somebody else in a previous life and that happens a lot with relationship issues um, but not not always obviously there's other reasons for it but that's the fairly common one well, and it kind of makes sense a little bit when I think of like, you know, not all of us, you know, have these experiences and then some of us don't feel vengeful or need to retaliate. And I always wondered if that was evening the score karmically. Uh, Linda, you had a question. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I'm, I just want to go back to, to your own experience, Joanne. So here you, you were hit in the back with a poker now and then when you realized it. But um, so someone did that to you. Mm-hmm. So if you, but someone did that to you, but you haven't inter. inter you, so do you think in a, in a previous previous lifetime you may have done that to somebody else? Not necessarily. Or something um, bad. You know, he had an agenda at the time, and um, and uh, you know, kind of wanted me um, out of the picture or to keep my mouth shut about something that I knew that he was doing, and. This was his way of exerting his uh, power, uh, you know. So uh, I understood that in this life. I understood the lesson. I understood why it happened um, and, you know, learned from it, uh, explored that past life uh, for many, many years. And uh, so um, now whether I did that to him in a previous life, I don't don't think it's a constant attack going, going on, you know. No. So. Yeah. But but you but you did recall your past life 
as as this as this person. Right, I did do some regression work on that and did relive that experience mm. so that I understood. Were, were you a, were you a man or a woman? I was a woman then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So fascinating. Yeah, it stuff. helps, I mean, it helps you know. the past life therapist to explore their own past lives, <laughs> so that uh, we, we can understand. Uh, I tell my clients, nothing is going to surprise me. Nothing you say to me is going to surprise me. And even if you tell me that you're you're having a lifetime on another planet, that won't surprise me. <laughs> so um, uh, you know, there's always. What if I said I was the one who hit you in the back with a poker? Huh. Uh, <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> well, we, you know, I've done some forgiveness work on that, so I think I'm beyond it at this point. No, it's, it's you know, it's, it's amazing how these things can just, uh, you know, I, I had a past life regression done in my kitchen, and the things that came forward, you know, I was like in, in 1700s France, and I could describe the pots and all this, and my friend was writing stuff down, and what was amazing to me about this experience, for somebody who was pretty green to all this stuff, um, mm-hmm. when we looked around, we saw lots of evidence of that life in my current life, a fondness for French things, you know, chickens in the kitchen and, and a collection of knives. And, and, you know, I was scoring the internet one day and I saw the kitchen, you know, or at least a kitchen similar to what I remembered. So it's just amazing, you know, what's, what's hiding in there if we can just pull it out. Right, there are a lot of clues. Um, that's called the resonance method of past life recall, something else that I teach about looking at your current life for clues about, um, about a possible past life. And uh, many of the clients that I had also had the same experience where, um, you know, their love of a, of a particular culture uh, came through, um, even some of them speaking with accents. I had a woman who spoke in a French accent during her entire regression. Um, and, uh, you know, she loves the ballet in this life. She was a ballerina in the previous life. So a lot of that um, is repeated. That's part of the karmic bank account that I talked about earlier, that you just bring that with you. Right, like Linda had mentioned, that, that little boy that brought that violin, you know, knowledge forward, and I think I brought a lot of knowledge forward, too. I think we all have, if, if we, we give it a chance. Now, I want to thank you for being our guest today. Uh, we did lose Linda Franklin, and she wanted me to convey to you how much she enjoyed our chat. Uh, the book today of the hour is Karma Can Be a Real Pain, Past Life Clues to Current Life Maladies by Joanne DiMaggio. Now, Joanne, what website should people go to to find out more about you? Uh, JoanneDiMaggio.com J-O-A-N-N-E-D-I-M-A-G-G-I-O.com Okay, so we are studying today about past life regressions and the Book part of the book that I would say you know go check out that I found really fascinating is the back here talking about this using soul writing for past life um, past life information. There's step by steps in here, and they are something anybody can do. And you really only need a pen and a piece of paper, Joanne. That's correct. That's right. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, on behalf of Linda Franklin and Sandra Beck, this is Powered Up Talk Radio. For those of you that enjoyed today's episode, check us out on iTunes. You can check us out on PoweredUpTalkRadio.com, and you can go to our host station, Toginet, that's T-O-G-I-N-E-T.com. Now, when we come back next week, we're going to have more great episodes like this. We'll be back. Have a great week. We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and prominent career, is the brains behind The Real Cougar Woman. She shares her wisdom, grace, and laugh-out-loud opinions based on her stellar successes, both in the financial world and in in her personal life. Check out our website, poweredupwithbeckandfranklin.com, and join us next week for another great conversation. We're here every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, right here on toginet.com.